Praise God. Well, it's time for the preaching of the Word. And that being said, you've got to learn how to say amen or we'll be here forever. I preach two hours when people don't say amen. How many of you are going to say amen? It's not a hard word. It's two syllables. Amen. You can do it. Hallelujah. Amen. It, it inspires a, a preacher when people are with him and when they verbally say amen. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 7, and they're going to help you out. Would you stand for the reading of the word? I always like for people to stand up to honor the word of God. Another reason is people go to sleep at the improper time. They go to sleep before the preacher preaches. You're supposed to go to sleep during the preaching, not before. So I want you to want to wake you up. I have scripture for that. Acts 20. A young man went to sleep on Paul the Apostle. Anybody ever read that story? Wow. How many of you read your Bible through every year? I read it through for the first time when I was 11. I didn't read it for some time through every year after that, but I did start it over again reading it through, and I've read it for 57 years in a row. Everybody ought to read the Bible, and everybody ought to be familiar with that story. Acts chapter 20, where a young man fell out during Paul's preaching. About midnight, he fell out, went to sleep, fell out, and broke his neck and died. You see, the moral of that story is you could die if you don't listen to a preacher. Hallelujah. Paul went down and raised him up. I might not have done it. I might have said, serves you right for going to sleep on me. But he raised him up. And then Paul preached six more hours as if to say, you can't even die and get out of my sermon. Amen. So now that we have that understood, you're awake. 2 Kings 20, 1 through 7. In those days was Hezekiah. Anybody ever heard of Hezekiah? It's in the Bible. Amen. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. He was a king of Israel. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt live, thou shalt die, and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth, and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. That's the old King James for saying he was really brokenhearted and really got after God in prayer. And it came to pass, before <clears throat> Isaiah was gone out in the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, <clears throat> and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. And they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. I want to preach on the subject of make the right turn. Make the right turn. Hezekiah made the right turn. He turned to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence that's been in these other three services I've preached.
Lord, we need your strength. We need your anointing. Oh, Jesus, empower me to preach the word of God. Empower the people to receive. Let the anointing flow from pulpit to pew, from pew to the pulpit. In Jesus' name, let the glory of God come on me. Let the glory of God come on your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I was, I was sitting on the platform in Coimbatore, India. There were 2,000 people sitting on the ground in front of me. They do that. They're just sitting on the ground. And the Lord changed my thoughts about what I was going to preach. All of a sudden, I heard from God. He said, you're going to preach on what Jesus said to Martha. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see my glory? I didn't have a sermon on that, but he did. And so I got up and through an interpreter, not knowing exactly what I was going to say, I began to preach on the glory of God. Hallelujah. That we could believe to see the glory of God. That's what he told Martha. You can believe to see the glory of God. There are two glories in association with God. One is the inherent glory of God. It's part of his character. It's who he is. But the other is the manifest glory of God. And God was telling me that I could believe to see his glory. And friends, when I started preaching, I didn't have to worry about how, what I was going to say. God began to move through me. And my, we had a service. People threw away crutches. Blind eyes were open. Deaf ears were unstopped. One young man from America said, I've never, ever seen anything like this except on TV when they're an evangelist or somebody like Benny Hinn. I've never seen anything like this. Oh, God wants to show us his glory. Hallelujah. I said, God wants to show us his glory. Amen. He wants to show us that he's alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Isaiah here had a message for the king. It wasn't the kind of message that you and I would want to take to a king. But uh, there's no preamble. He didn't say, how are you doing, king? Uh, are you doing all right? He didn't say, I just had to come see you while you're sick. Isaiah came and said, the Lord sent me with a message to you. The message is that you're going to die and not live. How would you like for somebody to come to you and give you a message like that? God, God told me to show up and tell you you're going to die. God bless you. <laughs> Isaiah didn't even talk further than that. Gave him that message and walked out. Wow. Woo. We need some ministers of God. We need some warriors for God. We need some messengers who know how to talk to people. Who know, who know how to tell them, thus saith the word of God. Thus saith God. In the Old Testament, there were people like Daniel who told Belshazzar, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. There were people like Samuel who said to weigh is better than sacrifice. And because you have rejected the Lord's command, he's rejected you as the king of Israel. We need somebody that will stand up and tell people the truth. Hallelujah. Come on now. We need a messenger from God. What would you do if somebody gave you a message 
that you didn't like. You might say they were kooky. You might say they were crazy. You might not give it a second thought. But, I, but Hezekiah knew who Isaiah was. He knew he was a prophet of God. And he had been, what came from Isaiah's mouth was straight from God. So what did Hezekiah do? I want you to notice, first of all, Hezekiah turned to God. Hezekiah turned to God. He turned his face to the wall. He began to cry out to God. Oh, hallelujah, folks. We need some people that will cry out to God. Come on. We need some prayer warriors. Have you cried out to God with all of your heart? You've got to make that right turn. He made the right turn. He turned to God. Hezekiah had been there before. In Isaiah 36, if you read your Bibles, you know that a king came against Hezekiah and was going to destroy him and sent him a letter. And Hezekiah spread that letter out before God. He said, God, only you can help us. Isaiah, the same prophet, came to him and said, uh, God, give me a message to you that God's going to take care of that king, Sennacherib, and he's going to die from his own household. You won't have to fight a battle. That's exactly what happened. All of a sudden, uh, Sennacherib heard uh, uh, that news from home that there was an attack. He went back to his own house, had to fight other enemies, and his sons came in when he was worshiping his God, and they slaughtered their own father right there while he was making an offering to his God, and they never had to worry about Sennacherib because God had promised Isaiah, I'm going to be with my people. Hallelujah. You see, God knows. And so uh, he knew that the message that God sent one time, that God could do it again. We don't serve a God like all the other nations. Sennacherib said, do you think your God is going to deliver you? Uh, we have a God that can deliver. Come on. We have a God that can deliver. I was in India starting a church in uh, New Delhi, India. We were, we were close to a, a, a temple to uh, the Hindu gods. The Hindus have 300 million gods. How'd you like to count them? 300 million gods. And a Hindu young man came to service one night and he was limping. He was about 20, 22 years of age and he walked like this. When we prayed for the sick that night, that young Hindu boy, young man, got healed by the power of God. And he, yes, and he made the statement that I'll never forget. He said, this is the first time any God I ever prayed to has ever answered my prayer. That's because we have the only God that can answer prayer. Our God answers prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So Hezekiah turned himself to the Lord. He's facing death. And the same prophet who gave him a true prophecy was the one prophesying his death. So he turned his face to the wall. The Bible says he wept bitterly. And some people might say, what good will it do when God's already given a prophecy? Even when it seems like the verdict is final, 
we still have a right to call on God. His ear is not deaf. His arm is not shortened. Throughout his word, he encourages us to seek, to ask, to knock, to call on him. It's never too late to turn to God. Even on your deathbed, it's not too late to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was in a camp meeting in Oregon about three or maybe four years ago, and I met a man named Leon Willis. He is the overseer of a small denomination called the Full Gospel Fellowship. He had a book that he wrote about how that fellowship got started. He told me about the founder of that fellowship, Thomas Welch. When Thomas was a 19-year-old, he got a job. I want you to listen to this story. I mean, you're not going to believe this story, but I want you to listen to it. When Thomas was 19 years of age, he got a job in a sawmill in Oregon. He lived with the foreman, a Mr. Brock, and his wife, Mabel. The Brocks were Christians, and Mabel was a praying woman. They had, they had talked to Thomas, even took him to church, to a church where John G. Lake pastored. I got a book out there about John G. Lake, one of the greatest, most phenomenal books you'll ever read about a man of God. But Thomas made no move towards God. One day on the job, remember at this sawmill, Thomas had to crawl up on a trestle 55 feet above a log pond in order to dislodge some logs that were hung above. In the process, he lost his balance and fell between moving timbers on a conveyor apparatus. He bashed his head in the process and plunged into the 10-foot pool below. An engineer saw him when he fell and he shut the mill down. From 45 minutes to an hour, they searched for Thomas's body. Finally, now listen to how long he was underwater. 45 minutes to an hour. Finally, a man named Gunderson found his body. And during that time, Thomas, who was not a Christian, saw hell. Listen, my friend, don't ever kid yourself. There is a hell. We don't hear much preaching about it, but there's a hell. Just as sure as there's a heaven, there's a hell. Just as sure as there's an earth, there's a hell. People make fun of it. People don't believe that anybody's going to hell. Everybody's going to heaven. It doesn't matter what kind of life they live. You, you hear at the funeral, if they were a prostitute or an agnostic or even an atheist, well, they're over there in heaven now. No, not everybody goes to heaven. People do go to hell. He saw hell. He saw people he knew. He saw the torment he was about to be in the rest of his life. The workers took Tommy's body after they finally found it and wrapped it in a blanket. His head was covered with blood. There was no pulse, no breath, no life. Mr. Brock, the foreman of that sawmill, when they brought, uh, brought uh, Tommy's body in and laid it uh, there in the office. Mr. Brock ran and got his praying wife. They lived close by. Went and got his praying wife, who happened to be picking ne berries nearby. 
When they got back, the men were standing there silently, waiting for the ambulance to take the body to the morgue. But Mr. Brock anointed Thomas with oil. How many of you have ever heard of that? That's in the scripture. The prayer of faith, when you pray in James, it says, anointing them with oil, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So he anointed them with oil, anointed Thomas with oil, and Mabel began to pray. Mabel wasn't one of these quiet players, uh, prayer warriors that just bowed their heads and said nothing out loud. Just bowed their head. You ask people to pray today and they just bowed their head. I was in a church where the pastor gave out requests for people to pray and said, now let's pray. And the only person I could hear was the pastor. I felt sorry for him, so I lifted my voice. Ah, Jesus, touch these people. How, what's, what in the world is wrong with people that they don't understand the scripture that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be in my mouth, not just my heart. Hallelujah. And so Mabel began to call out to God. She put her hand on Thomas's head and a young man standing there was horrified. He said, can't you see that's where he's hurt? Mabel kept her hand on his head, his bloody head, and kept praying. Finally, the gang Sawyer, they called him Sawyer, a large muscular man, walked over to pull her hand away. He was going to stop that nonsense. But that's when he and the others began to witness a miracle. Thomas's eyelids began to flutter. He began to cry and ask what happened. He began to cry because just as he was gazing, he saw at the lake of fire, Jesus came to him. He saw Jesus leading him away. And the next thing he heard was Mabel Brock praying. They took Thomas to the hospital and said he had multiple injuries, including a cracked skull, seven broken ribs, a punctured lung, and multiple lacerations. Laceration. There was no water in his lungs, even though he had been underwater for 45 minutes. And this indicated that he was dead by the time he hit the water. He didn't ingest any water. Three days later in the hospital room, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and asked him if he would tell the world about what happened to him and what he had seen. He said yes. He could only move his right arm. But when he threw back the bed covers with his right arm, the presence of God came over him and he was totally healed. Hallelujah. He put on his clothes and literally ran out of that hospital. He didn't check out, he ran out. That was on Friday. He went back to work on Saturday. I mean, they could not believe their eyes when he walked in there. So many wanted to know about his experience that he announced to them that he would tell his story Sunday at the meal when the meal was shut down. Everybody showed up and he told them how Jesus had forgiven him how Jesus had healed him. He gave an invitation and many gave their lives to Jesus. And Thomas became a preacher and founded the full gospel fellowship movement. Thank God that somebody like Mabel knew how to pray. Woo! Hallelujah.
I believe Hezekiah prayed like Mabel. I believe he held nothing back. He prayed with everything in him. Some people say, I don't know how to pray like that. I'm not really emotional. Who are you kidding? You come to church and sit like a ward on a pickle, but you let somebody cut, off, cut you off in traffic, and let's see how silent you are. Let little Johnny sit watching at the TV when you and the family are sitting at the table and you've already called him 15 times and he's not moving. Let's see if you raise your voice or not. Let me just be a mouse in your house and see if you ever raise your voice to your husband or your wife. Don't Let me be beside you when you go to a football game and see if you always keep your mouth shut. Come on now. You're not kidding anybody. You never raise your voice. It's time you learn how to pray out loud. Hezekiah prayed out loud. Somebody heard him. Because we do not know that. We have the actual words of his prayer. Somebody wrote it down. Somebody heard him. We have many recorded prayers in the word of God. With mighty men of God. We even have a prayer of Jesus that's written down. In John chapter 17, when you need an answer from God, you won't care how loud somebody prays, just so they touch heaven. Thank God, Hezekiah made the right turn. He turned to God. Now notice the second turn. This time, God turned away from the original pronouncement. God turned. He stopped Isaiah before he got out of the courtyard and gave him some good news for Hezekiah. Some of you may ask, does God ever change his mind? Let's answer that question this way. Most promises or pronouncements from God have conditions. There are conditional promises and unconditional promises. Look at some of the unconditional promises. Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. How many conditions did you see in that? If my people, which you call by name, you have to be called by his name, shall humble themselves, you have to humble yourself, and pray, you have to pray. Seek my face, it's not just praying, but seeking his face. And then you got to turn from your wicked ways. Five different conditions. Amen. Hallelujah. You can pray all you want to, but if you don't meet the conditions, you don't stand on that promise until you are meeting the condition. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So don't just quote half of it and say, If I ask anything, God's going to do it because he said he would. No, God said this. If you abide in me, that's every day live for him, seeking him, going after him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. What's he talking about? Knowing what the Bible says. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my Bible that I might not sin against thee. No, it doesn't say that. Thy word have I hid in my heart. How many scriptures have you memorized lately? You've got to know the word of God. You gotta have it ringing in your soul. Hallelujah. When students went with me on trips, 
they had to learn 19 verses of scriptures in a chapter. Hallelujah. And we went over the scriptures every day. And if they missed one word, when we gave it to them the second time, they better not miss it. And if we gave it to them the third time, they sure better not miss it. Because if they missed one scripture three times, they had to write it 25 times. If they missed it a second time, three times, they had to write it 50 times. And then 75, I had some of them write them 100 before they got down to business. They realized I meant business. Some of them said, well, I can't memorize. I got a learning disability. I said, not on this trip. Or they'd say, I just never have been able to memorize. I said, that's what the devil's telling you because God said to hide your word in his heart. He wouldn't tell you something you couldn't do. Come on, somebody. That'd be a good place for an amen. Hallelujah. Or say, oh, me, if you can't say, oh, man. Amen. You got to go with the conditions. Isaiah 118, if you be willing and obedient, there are two conditions. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You see, there are conditions to promises, but there are some unconditional promises. Jesus said, I will rise again, and he did it. Hallelujah. That was unconditional. He said, I will send my spirit, and he did it. He said, I will come again. He's going to do it. Come on. That's an unconditional promise. Jesus will come again. Hallelujah. So there are unconditional promises and there are conditional promises and pronouncements as well. What we know from this text is one man's prayer turned the hand of God, turned the hand of the God of the universe. Hezekiah prayed alone. Nobody prayed with him. All Isaiah did was give Hezekiah a word. He didn't stick around to give him encouragement. He didn't stay there to pray with him. No one else prayed with him. Let me tell you, God can work a miracle if just one man or one person will turn their face to God and they'll, they'll cry out to God like Hezekiah did. Hallelujah. In 1838, I used to teach a class on signs and wonders on the master's level at Southwestern. And we went through all the miracles that we could find historically. We went through all the miracles of the Bible. Here's one that, that I told the students about. In 1838, 1838, not 1938, 1838, before the great surge of the Holy Spirit in the 1900s, John Christoph Blumhardt pastored a Lutheran church in Mottlingen, Germany. A demon-possessed young woman in the village was taken to doctors. They could do nothing with her. One doctor said, isn't there somebody in Montlingen who knows how to pray, who can pray for her? What a shame for a doctor to ask that question. That was a challenge for that young pastor. He began to pray for her. He began to visit her home. But his prayer seemed to do no good. The young woman got worse. But God began to teach him how to pray with authority. Hallelujah. We need to learn how to pray with authority. He started fasting and praying. He went to her home after some time that he was, he was full of the authority of God. He fought demons all night, rebuking the devil. Finally, the girl was liberated. 
And when she was liberated, she was healed. She had one arm shorter than the other, and that arm immediately grew out to the normal length of the other. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blomhart had such crowds afterwards, everybody heard about it, that his church could not contain the people. People came at all times of the day. They got saved. They got healed. People camped out in front of the church or went to his house. Sometimes he'd be praying for people from 7 in the morning until 11 at night. Eventually, just about everybody in that town had been prayed for by the pastor. Incredible miracles were recorded. You see, God responds when a person prays. God may not always give us the answer we desire. He may say no sometimes, but we at least need to give him the opportunity. We need to pray. God, give us prayer warriors. We need somebody who will pray as fervently for this country as they do for somebody who is sick. We need somebody crying out for America. We need prayer warriors that will believe God for the impossible. God's not through with our nation. I said, God's not through with our nation. God's still looking for somebody who will pray. We're going through some difficult times. There's no guarantee about our future except the Lord. We need to seek God and pray like Hezekiah. We need to cry out to God. Things can make a turn when people pray. Now notice thirdly, Hezekiah turned, God turned, Isaiah turned. Notice that Isaiah turned around because 2 Kings chapter 20 verse 5 says, God said to Isaiah, turn again or turn around. He was about to be the bearer of a different message. Some prophets don't like to contradict their previous message. You remember Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. You know why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? Because he was afraid God would spare him. You read that in chapter number four. He got angry because God had mercy on Nineveh. He basically said, I knew, I knew you might give him mercy. You see, God was more interested in the souls of Nineveh than he was about Jonah's reputation. Jonah was more interested in his reputation as a great prophet of God. We need men of God who will not fear to tell people the truth, regardless of how it looks to them personally. God give us men who will deliver severe, and women who will deliver severe messages if necessary, and messages of God's grace when we should. Here's the message God had Isaiah delivered to Hezekiah. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. Woo! God said, tell Hezekiah, I've heard your prayer. Somebody needs to know that. God heard your prayers. You come here wondering if God ever heard your prayer. You sent up a prayer and wondered if God heard. He heard you. Hallelujah. I had a pastor friend. I do have a pastor friend that tells me every time I see him, I call him. He said, I pray for you every day. Woo, that does me a lot of good. When I was in Paraguay, let me see what time. Oh, getting time that your ears are closing. Shut off time. When I was in Paraguay, I was I lost my mother in 1980. In 1981, I started a church in Paraguay, a very hard country. One day I was driving along, stopped at a red light, and I just started crying. 
tears started streaming down my cheeks. I'd lost my prayer warrior, my mother. And I said, God, is anybody praying for me? And then I, after I quit feeling sorry for myself, I went on my way. As soon as I got back to the States, the pastor called me and said, I want you to come preach on a certain day, a certain Sunday, Sister Bailey jumped up from the piano and said, we got to pray for Doyle Jones. It was in that same week when I wondered if anybody prayed for me. I went to a minister's meeting, and a, a former missionary who was retired said to me, I have prayed for you every day for two years since I was in a service with you two years ago. I went to a church that we hadn't visited for eight years, and a man came up to me and said, I have prayed for you every day for eight years. God has people who will pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has people who will pray for you. Why don't you be one that will pray for people? Pray for people. They need your prayers. God will answer. Hallelujah. Then God said, tell Hezekiah, I've seen your tears. <laughs> Hallelujah. God sees your tears. God sees when you can't go on anymore. He sees those tears. God went on to say to Hezekiah, Behold, I will, heal, I will heal you. On the third day, you'll go up into the house of the Lord. Woo! Listen to that, folks. I'm not just going to heal you, Hezekiah, but I'm telling you that in three days, you're going to be back in my house worshiping me. God doesn't want to heal you so you can feel good enough to go to the beer joint. Somebody catch on. God doesn't want to heal you so you can serve the devil better. He's not interested in getting you to the drug dealer. He wants you to be in his house. Hallelujah. Not everybody's come back to the house of God because of COVID, but you ought to be in God's house. Hallelujah. We need to make some turns, make some turns in our lives. We're going to serve God with all of our hearts. Hallelujah. God knows your need, and God's ready to meet them. But are you ready to turn to God with all your heart? Some of you need the Holy Ghost. You come out of backgrounds where they didn't talk about speaking in tongues. But everybody needs that. Read my book. I trust that every one of you will read my book. One man who didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost, and I prayed for him. His wife stopped at Walmart on the way home, and he read my book and got filled with the Holy Ghost in his car. Hallelujah. Read the book. You need to turn to God with all of your heart. Don't be satisfied with just a taste. Get all that God's got for you. Hallelujah. I want everybody to stand. Everybody stand. Hallelujah. 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 Make the right turn. Make the right turn. Some of you are not living where you ought to be with God. You need to make a right turn. You need to come to God. You need to ask God for forgiveness. God knows what you're doing. He knows. He knows all about you. He knows sins that you commit that you think nobody else knows. God knows. It's time to make a right turn. What if, what if that young man, Tommy, what if nobody had prayed for him He'd be in hell today. Some of you will be in hell 
the rest of your life if you don't turn to God. Some of you, today may be the day that you need to turn. Turn ye, turn you, the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel. For why will you die? Turn you, turn you. For why will you die?